What is up, my friends and fellow busy bees? I hope your day is going well so far, and you're excited to talk all about marketing your furniture painting and refinishing business in today's episode. Now, this is a conversation that I have more so in my one-on-one chats with my clients, like consulting clients, not furniture clients, rather than getting public comments or questions about it that others can see. And so what I've gathered is that people are just a little bit hesitant to talk about the fact that they want to grow and market their business better, but they, I don't know, maybe don't want to admit that they don't yet have it fully figured out, or they don't know the right questions to be asking, they don't have it on their radar, maybe even that this is something that they can do to help grow their business. I've also seen it where people may not have the right system set up, or any systems set up at all in their business. So they spend a lot more time on other administrative and other smaller tasks, and then don't necessarily have the time to solely dedicate to marketing their business to get more eyes on it and to ultimately help it grow. Other times, I find that people are often doing the same things over and over, hoping that they might end up sticking and reaching the people that they hope to be, instead of trying to think up other ideas and trying something new out that could potentially not work. Whatever the reason may be, if you are someone that has been having the thought in the back of your mind that you need to increase your brand awareness and just reach more people to further develop your client list or increase incoming projects, then this episode is for you. Even if you're pretty happy with where your marketing efforts currently are, maybe you'll get an idea or two rolling through your head by the end of this episode for something to add to the to-do list in the future or something different that you could try out just to see how it goes. So when you run your own business, fortunately or unfortunately, you are the one doing all of the work, at least in the beginning. This means that you are magically given the title, among other things, of Chief Marketing Officer. Congratulations! But do you have any idea what to do with it? It's totally fine if you don't, but let's talk through the ways that you can figure out a blueprint for yourself and your small business. At least this is what I have done, having also not had any marketing or business background and just kind of figuring it out on the go. So first, think about the services or the products that you offer, and then think of the types of people who would be willing to purchase those things. Depending on what you offer, you might have to think up multiple kind of categories of people because, for example, you might have one group that would be willing to purchase your custom refinishing services, but another different group who is interested in investing in a one-on-one call with you to discuss an upcoming makeover that they're thinking of taking on themselves. So consider who this ideal client is and then try to do a deep dive into who they are, what they do, where they spend their time, and where they spend their money. This will help you to better understand where you need to show up and what you need to say in order to get onto their radar and have them consider spending their precious hard-earned money on you. And a great way that you can find out this kind of information is from your current clients. So when you're talking to people, I mean, Don't ask any intrusive questions or anything like that, of course, but either just in your interactions with them, take note of the things that they mentioned that they do. Do they have kids? Do they have a partner? What kind of work do they do? What are their interests? What are their hobbies? Things like that, so that you can then take that into kind of your big brain cell of marketing information and demographic information for your ideal client. And then you can kind of weave together a sort of narrative or something that you assume would kind of be tailored to the people that are looking for you, if that makes sense. Then when you're thinking about marketing, there's also the notion of proximity to consider. Are you trying to grow your clientele locally 
or grow a following more broadly, maybe on social media. And if you are already trying to grow like that on social media, have you ever stopped to ask yourself why? I feel like it's so easy to get wrapped up in the Instagram or TikTok or YouTube or whatever worlds and think that we're always needing to create content and output as much as we can as quick as possible. But if you're only looking to sell it to your local clients and you're not optimizing your posting for that location, then I'm sorry to tell you, my friend, but you may be wasting some of your time. And while it may be important to have a social presence to increase your credibility, particularly if you don't have a website and you want to have somewhere to act as a portfolio to show off your work, you don't necessarily need to be showing up there super consistently day after day. Now, if your intention is to be a content creator and partner with brands and teach others and eventually monetize that in some way, then yes, absolutely, you may very well want to be consistent on your socials. But just some food for thought, because I know how incessant the content creating and posting can get, especially when you're on multiple platforms and if you are doing it all yourself. And if you're finding that you don't have enough hours in the day to get everything accomplished, that may be an area that you can step back and it won't have a negative outcome on your income. Because again, at the end of the day, we want to be profitable. We have businesses. We want to be making money. It's fun to look fun on social media, but if there's not a specific purpose linked to that, if it's something that you don't enjoy, then you can consider pulling that back. If it's something you love doing and you're just doing it because you love to do it and you have enough time to do everything else, then go ham. All right, so while we're here, let's talk about using social media to market your business. Again, whoever your ideal client is, you wanna be thinking about where they're hanging out on social media, when, and what they're searching for or the algorithm would be putting in their feeds based on their interests and their activity online. Now, obviously, you need to be doing a bit of guessing with this, but you can also do market research by looking up any consumer trends and reports that may be relevant to the industry, or even polling your existing following, or even your family and friends who fall into the rough category of your ideal client or have expressed interest in your stuff, and just see where the overlap is. Then show up where they say they are and use the same words and phrases that they do so that your content gets in front of their face and so that they resonate with the things that you're saying because it's similar to the things that they're saying. Social media and the platforms change almost daily, so there's always small nuances within all of this. But that's honestly the gist of it. Like at a high level, that's what you want to be doing. And if you're looking to grow your local following using social media, then really make sure that you're using the locations tagging in your posts and on your stories. Use hashtags that are relevant to your area. Maybe even create some content relative to your area, like my favorite stores to shop for my furniture makeover supplies in insert city here and then hope that you come across people with mutual interests to yours and your work that are in your area and could become potential clients. And I do recommend doing some research into like search engine optimization and different features that are available on these apps because a lot of the time if you're learning based on what you're seeing like your favorite content creators doing, a lot of the things that are being done you can't necessarily see if that makes sense. So for example, if I'm doing a story post, you're just seeing, you know, me share. So say here, put this as an example. If I create a new reel and I'm sharing that to my story, you're seeing the reel and maybe like some sort of gif that I put over it to like have an element of surprise of what's under it or whatever. 
But what you're not seeing is behind that reel, I have tagged a location near me. I have inserted five hashtags because you can do up to five hashtags on stories that will link it to the actual hashtags in the algorithm. So I'll do five relevant hashtags so that people can discover it from there. And if I'm trying to sell an actual piece, those five hashtags are going to be relative to my area. So it's going to be my city name, the city and province, because that's another big hashtag. It might be a couple of the suburban areas around me that people might be looking for through the hashtags, you know. Um, I might do my city name plus furniture, my city name plus for sale. Like there's so many options that you can do and hide behind those things, but still ensure that those posts get picked up in other places other than just when people are flipping through your stories or happen to go to your feed and click on your avatar, which shows your current stories. It just helps you get more reach. But if you're just a consumer of social media and you're going through and seeing that, you won't necessarily know that there's all that happening behind the scenes. And so if you're wanting to translate that into your own business, I recommend doing some research to find out those little nuances and the things in these apps that will really help you to do more with less, essentially. You can post less, but you can post less. You can post less. There's only a T on one of those words. And have more people see that individual posts that you make versus having to do five posts and only, you know, the same few people are seeing it. So anyways, that was a bit of a tangent, but worth noting, I think. And I also recommend networking with other people in your local area that would have similar but adjacent clients to yours and see if you can collaborate in some way or even just shout out their business because you love it. And sometimes that opens up doors for further conversation and maybe potential collaboration down the road. So for furniture painting and refinishing, similar but adjacent places, maybe things like thrift stores, zero waste supermarkets, stores that sell eco-friendly products or sustainable home decor products, things like that. It might not make sense to try and collaborate with, you know, like a fine home furnishing store because they're trying to sell furniture just in the way that you are, right? But if they had a, I don't know, recycling program or something where they gave it to people in the area to zhuzh up and then sell it back to, I don't know, if there was some something like that, maybe it would make sense. But on the whole, think of people who would be interested in similar types of products, but not the same product and then reach out to them. Because whenever you can access these audiences, you'll more likely be able to get their clients into your orbit because the chances are the people who shop there are the kinds of people who would be interested in shopping your products as well. You don't necessarily want to find the person who doesn't know what recycling is, uses solely single-use products, I don't know, and doesn't have a home to furnish. That person may be a harder sell on buying refinished furniture pieces than someone who already has demonstrated a vested interest in sustainability, being eco-friendly, and is a recent homeowner who has a big space to fill or something like that. You know what I mean? It's the same thing when I'm trying to market this podcast. I do market it on social media and let people know when new episodes have launched in case anyone is interested in listening in. But the large majority of my marketing time and efforts are put into advertising to people who are already podcast listeners by guesting on other podcasts that make sense for my niche and trying to connect with podcast listeners in other ways online, like through forums and discussion boards. 
You want to take the path of least resistance when it comes to acquiring these clients, especially at the beginning when you have so many things to get done and very limited time to do it in. So sit down with a pen and some paper and map out what that would look like for you and your business, create a plan of action and go from there. When it comes to social media, I am also very much of the belief that you should do what you can and say fuck it to the rest. I guess a nicer way of saying that would be do your best and forget the rest. Anyone else immediately brought back to the P90X days hearing that guy repeat that over and over as you can like barely see through the amount of sweat pouring down your forehead? No? Just me? Okay, great. But if you don't have the time to post every day, then don't. If you don't have the time to post every other day, then don't. If your time and your schedule only allow you to post once per week, per month, whatever, just do that. Do that and don't spend another minute thinking about, stressing about, or worrying about it. Save that time and use it for something more useful. So often we spend so much time and brain power shooting all over ourselves. I should be doing this. I should have done that. Wow, I have some free time. I guess I really should do X. No. Make your decision, stick to it, and then turn your brain off of that frequency past there because again, it's just a waste of your time and I want to help save you time. And as long as you're consistent on whatever the posting schedule is, you'll eventually form it into a habit and it will become part of your routine and be less of a have-to-do thing in your mind and on your to-do list. Don't listen to the gurus online that tell you you absolutely have to post three, five, seven times a day in order to get seen by the algorithm. Everyone's just guessing. Just do what you can. Forget about the rest. Don't let it keep you up at night, please. It's not worth it. Another thing worth exploring is what platforms on social media you want to be on. Like I said earlier, figure out where your ideal client is and try and make that your primary platform that you show up on. But in the future, if you decide you want to expand into other platforms, my recommendation and what I've been doing recently that seems to have been working is to show up on the platforms where the furniture flipping community maybe isn't so salient. We all know there's a huge group of us on Instagram But have you ever taken a look over on Twitter, Reddit, Clubhouse, Twitch? Some of these other platforms that still have millions and millions of users, but that market just hasn't been tapped into yet in quite the same way. Wouldn't it be neat to be one of those who helps pave the way on those platforms? Especially if they're already platforms you know and like and use anyway. Just some food for thought, my two cents. And if you want to market your business locally, not necessarily on social media, again, think of those places that you can show up that your ideal client might be. Here's some quick options that come to mind for that. You could participate in a local market or fair, especially if there's ones that are tailored to secondhand items and or kind of sustainability products. Some people choose to host an ongoing booth at things like vintage markets that are more, like I said, ongoing versus like a craft market that runs for one weekend only. You can connect with other business owners who would have clients that may be interested in your work. Is there a way that you can potentially collaborate where you promote each other's items? Maybe you could have some of your pieces used to hold items in their storefront with some of your business cards laying around for those who are interested in checking it out. Are there local publications you can connect with to get the word out about you and your business? Think local business bureaus, newspapers, magazines, podcasts, radio shows, or newsletters. 
If you care to spend money on your marketing, you can also pay for ads online and target very specific demographics through the Instagram and Facebook ads or on anything else that you think would be relevant and helpful to get the word out about your business. For example, sometimes newsletters sell ad space on them versus just being able to get a shout out. So you could explore those options if you want to put some money into it. Or are there local spots that you frequent that have somewhere where people can leave their cards out for others to peruse? Maybe a local coffee shop, a co-working space, or even community bulletin boards. The best advice I can give is that the more creative you get, the more you'll see the impact. Another thing that was something I needed to learn and push past the awkwardness of is just being comfortable actively talking about your work with new people. Like, don't be annoying, but whenever it comes up, lean in and chat with people about what you do because most people are interested in it and know very little about this world. So it's a great way to help inform people that there's other options out there instead of buying new and or they may just be interested in your work and what that looks like day to day. Either way, every conversation is an opportunity to share knowledge, teach, and potentially network. It's for this reason that I always make sure that I have some business cards on me wherever I go. You never know who you're going to meet, who you're going to start chatting with. Maybe you're going to a friend's party, a wedding, the supermarket, the car dealership. Trying to think of other places I've given them out. (laughs) Family reunions, like who knows? Everywhere you go, just try and have them on you. I just keep a stack in my purse and I have some like in an inside pocket in my jacket too if I don't have my purse on me out for a dog walk or something. Just have them handy and give them out freely. And yes, I recommend having business cards. For some industries, they aren't very useful, but for ours, I think it is personally. And then whenever you're chatting with someone about your work or if they're asking about the projects that you're working on, when the conversation wraps up, just grab one of your cards and say, here's my card with some information on where you can check out more of my work if you're interested or whatever. They might just take it to be nice and toss it later, but they might check out your website or your social media or if nothing else, they might look at your business name and then down the line when they're chatting with their cousin and their cousin mentions wanting to refinish a piece of furniture in their home, they might remember your business name and be able to refer them to you. What it comes down to is really wanting to get as many touch points with people as possible so that when the time comes to find someone who does furniture painting and refinishing, then you're the one who comes to mind. I also include my business cards with the thank you cards that I write for everyone that buys one of my pieces. Again, to get that exposure for me and my business versus someone thinking it's just a random person on Facebook Marketplace that they're buying off of. I always put at least two cards in so that they can share one with a friend or family member or whoever that might be interested because word of mouth and referrals have been huge for me and my business as a way of getting new clients into my world because people just feel more comfortable choosing a product or a service provider that somebody they know or trust recommends and had a good experience with. I know that I do the exact same thing when we got our new puppy. I obviously researched vets in our area and like looked at reviews and the services that they offer and the service providers themselves and their like credentials. But then I took that short list and asked our friends in our area which vet they use for their dogs and their experiences there and I used that to inform my decision. Because reviews are great and as a side note, as a service provider and a business owner, I can tell you there is no better feeling than receiving a positive public review on like my Google page or a Facebook page or something. 
it just warms my heart to no end. But anyways, reviews are great, but at the end of the day, I don't know the integrity or the level of quality that the people writing these reviews expect when I'm looking for things for myself and I'm reading through reviews to see, you know, if it was good or bad. So instead, I like to listen to those that I know closely and can be reassured by their perspective and their experience, and that makes it seem like a more trusting thing to try out, you know? So always remember that when you're working with clients because your reputation is everything. And also, as my first employer once said, and I will never forget it, it's nice to be nice. So just be nice to everyone you work with and the rest will come naturally. The biggest thing here to remember when marketing your business is that you never know until you ask. And get comfortable with being uncomfortable asking because the more you do it, the more it will be second nature to you to put yourself out there and not even be phased by it. The reality is if you want to get exposure and you want to get your business out there, nobody else is going to do this for us other than our raving clients who leave us reviews and spread your name through word of mouth, of course. So you need to put aside any worries or concerns about maybe looking silly or being awkward and step into business owner mode and ask yourself, would a CEO of a huge company give a shit about doing this? Probably not. They would probably do it without even blinking. They might have somebody do it for them by then, but it certainly wouldn't be something that scared them away from it. So let's embrace that energy as we move forward, trying to put ourselves on the map, shall we? And something you may not know about me, I love motivational messages. They always fire me up and I keep a running list of ones that have been especially catchy or impactful to me in the notes app on my phone. So I end every podcast episode with one of those that I've noted down over the years in hopes that you leave our time here each week feeling inspired, motivated, and ready to take on whatever comes your way this week. So this week's Mel's motivational message is from one of my favorite podcasts called The Mindset Mentor, hosted by Rob Dial. And on an episode, he said, very simply, create the life you want or settle for the one you get. And I think that's so applicable to today's conversation. Like we have to be the ones that go out there and make these things happen for ourselves. When you see these people having these big breaks, having these great things happen to them, 99.99% of the time, that's not just falling into their lap. They're going out there. You're not seeing all the rejections that they've gotten. You haven't seen all the efforts they did to try and catch that quote unquote break. You haven't seen all the things that they tried and failed and then they had to rejig and try again before they got to the very right thing that got them that big break or whatever it might be. They may have had to pitch themselves to thousands of people getting no after no after no after no until they got the right yes and then things took off. But you're not going to get a letter at your front door tomorrow saying, congratulations, here's a million dollars to do that thing you've always wanted to do. You got to go out there and you have to create the life that you want or you're just going to have to settle for the one that you get. And the one that you get will probably look a lot like what today looks like for you because we can get complacent and our day to day can look really monotonous. If you think back over the last three days, you probably, maybe, I shouldn't say probably, I don't know what your life is like, but you might have gotten up, had a coffee, had a shower, got dressed, went to work, came home, had a drink watched some TV, ate some dinner, watched some more TV, and then went to bed, and then woke up and had a coffee and rinse and repeat. So if that's not the life that you want, if that is the life you want, then more fucking power to you. You made it. Good on you. But if that's not the life that you want, you're going to have to do things 
and take action to create the life that you do want or settle for the one that you currently have and the one that you got based on the things that you've probably done that brought you to where you are, where you're hopefully comfortable, hopefully you you know have enough money to sustain yourself and you have food on the table and you have people around you that love you. I hope you have all of those things, I truly do. But if there's other things that you want, other things on your bucket list, other goals or aspirations, no matter your age, no matter your anything else, insert limiting belief here, you can do that. You can create that. You can achieve that. It might not happen overnight. It might not happen next week. But if you work hard towards that thing, you're going to create that life that you want, that life that you would love to have, but you think it's just so out of reach. You can very easily create that life and you probably have a lot of time left on this earth to do that. I don't think I have anyone listening that's 100 plus years old. So whatever it is that's holding you back right now, I just encourage you to let it go. Take that action. Get rid of any of those limiting beliefs and negative self-talk and whatever it is that's holding you back and just be empowered to go out there and go get it. All right, that's it for now. I appreciate your time and I'll catch you guys next week.